0: Well, please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. As you know, we have been making our way through various selected Psalms throughout uh, the Psalter as a broad overview of. Of, the, uh, of this collection of poems. And this morning we are turning our attention to Psalm 103. and we'll be specifically focusing our attention upon the first few verses of Psalm 103 and then uh, verses uh, verses 8 through uh, 13. Well please turn your attention to the reading of God's holy and inspired Word, Psalm 103. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he write this word upon our hearts this morning. Well, we are all forgetful creatures. We have all been there where we have forgotten an appointment, an important date, maybe a birthday, dare I say, even an anniversary. We're forgetful creatures. You may have had the experience where you're looking for something, maybe your cell phone or your keys, and it is right in front of you. It's on the counter. It's in your pocket. Well, if you look with me in verse 2 of Psalm 103, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The word bless and the phrase forget not are parallel to one another. And so what does it mean to bless the Lord? Well, it means that we are to forget not all his benefits. Or to put it positively, we are to remember the Lord's benefits. Now, you'll notice here in the first few verses of Psalm 103, the psalmist is talking to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's preaching to his own heart. He's talking to his own heart. But then at the end of this psalm, in verses 20 through 22, the psalmist calls upon the angels, the ministers of God, and even the very works of God to bless the Lord. It's as if David thinks that the most fitting thing that a creature, uh, even creation itself, can do is praise and bless their creator. Now again, in verse 2, the psalmist says that we are to forget not, or we are to remember the Lord and all his benefits. Well, what are the benefits of the Lord? if you look at verses 3 through 5, David enumerates five of these benefits. He says that the Lord forgives all of our iniquities. He says that the Lord heals our diseases. He says that the Lord redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with steadfast love and faithfulness and satisfies us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. Now this morning we are going to focus our attention upon that first benefit. He forgives all our iniquity. This is the dominant or central benefit that David focuses our hearts and minds on in this psalm. In fact, John Calvin, the great reformer John Calvin in his commentary on this psalm says that it is not without cause that David begins with God's pardoning mercy. For reconciliation with him is the fountain from which all other blessings flow. So it's fitting that we focus our attention upon this central benefit. The Lord pardons or forgives all our iniquity. Consequently, then, this morning, we're going to consider how we are called as the people of God to remember the Lord's forgiveness of our sins. We are called to remember the Lord's forgiveness of our sins. And we will consider that in four parts. First, we'll consider uh, forgiveness defi- uh, defined. Second, forgiveness illustrated. Forgiveness applied, thirdly. And then last of all, we'll consider how we are to remember the Lord's forgiveness. Now in verses 8-10, through 10, David circles back to this concept of forgiveness and defines for us what it means that the Lord pardons or forgives all of our iniquities. So you'll see in verse 8, David says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Now this promise, this verse is uh, quoted almost verbatim from Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Now in Exodus chapter 34, God is speaking to Moses at Mount Sinai. And this is what God says to Moses. He says, The Lord, the Lord, I God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Notice the emphasis there in Exodus 34 on God's justice. God will by no means clear the guilty. God will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the the children uh, to the third and fourth generations. So yes, our God is a forgiving God, but this forgiveness is a just forgiveness. God cannot just forget about our sin without first punishing that sin according to his just judgment. And so if you fast forward in biblical history, we see that our Lord Jesus Christ experienced the just judgment of our sin, so that God's mercy and grace, which David and and God speaks about here in the Old Testament, can abound towards us. So on Good Friday, God very much remembered our sins as he repaid Jesus according to those sins and iniquities. And Christ underwent this for us so that our sins might be etched out from the memory of our omniscient God. God says through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31, verse 34, as as God's speaking about the coming new covenant, a new covenant that will be enacted through the blood of Christ, God says, I will remember their sins no more. That's what Jesus accomplished for us. And so because justice and mercy kissed on Good Friday, we can receive promises like what we read in verse 10. That God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Think about that for a moment. God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Now, we know that sin fractures and damages relationships. This is a concept that is self-evident to virtually all human beings. Even those who don't, don't um, have a category for sin acknowledge something of this concept. Sin damages and fractures relationships. We know this from our own personal experience. We can think of instances in which our sin damaged a relationship. We can think of instances where other people's sin damaged a relationship. Now, if this is true on a human level, how much more true is this on a divine level? It would seem to make sense that our sin would damage, yeah, even sever, our relationship with God. However, what David is saying here. <laughs> is that because of the work of Christ, a work that David himself was trusting in through the types and shadows of the Old Covenant, because of this work of Christ, we can know and be assured that God will not deal with us according to our sins, that God will not repay us according to our iniquities, that our sin will never sever our relationship with God. Now, this is incredible. In fact, this is extraordinary. In fact, it's so extraordinary that it's difficult for us to comprehend this truth, especially during those times when we feel the weight and guilt and filth of our own sin. We think to ourselves as as we, we see our own sin wrecking havoc in our own relationships, we think, how can my sin not sever my relationship with God? But this is the beauty of the gospel. And this is something that we should heartily embrace as confessional Protestants, that God will not deal with us according to our sins. And so what is the forgiveness of sins according to David in Psalm 103? Well, it's God's justice and mercy perfectly coming together as Christ Christ died on the cross for our sins so that we can receive the promises of the gospel that God will remember our sins no more, that God will never repay us according to our iniquities. We will notice in verses 11 through 13, David continues on and he gives us a number of illustrations for this forgiveness that God uh, delivers to us. So in verse 11 We read, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Now, boys and girls, how high are the heavens? The heavens which exist beyond or even above this known universe. How high are the heavens above the earth? Well, you can't really even quantify that. The distance is, is, is so great And what what David is saying here is that God's love for you is greater than that distance. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. As he's praying for this church in Ephesus, he says, uh, he prays that they may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When you begin to to contemplate the the vastness of this known universe, it's, it's, uh, it's overwhelming. It's hard to comprehend how big this universe is. But what David is saying here is that's just a faint picture of God's love towards those who are in Christ. And so if it's hard to comprehend the vastness of this known universe, then it's going to be difficult to comprehend the breadth, length, height, and depth of God's love towards us, which is exactly why Paul prays that we would have strength to comprehend something of this steadfast love towards those of us who are in Christ. Well, David continues in verse 12. He says, well, as far as the east is from the west... So far does he remove our transgressions from us. So another spatial illustration. Now, boys and girls, you may have gone on a hike before where you um, reach a certain point, maybe a lookout point, where you can see all around you for miles. Let's say you're at that lookout point, and you look as far as you can to the east, as far as the eye can see. You look as far as you can to the west, as far as the eye can see. Can you bring those two points together? No, it's impossible. There really isn't anything farther apart than the east and the west. And so again, David is saying that when God looks at you, your sin is farther from you than the east is from the west. Now there's this phrase, um, out of sight, out of mind. Well, God has removed your sin. He's put away your sin so that when he looks at you, when he thinks about you, he doesn't see or remember your sin. It's out of sight, out of mind. Now lest we begin to think that God is some distant benefactor, granting us blessings from afar, this third illustration that David gives us is a familial illustration. So you'll see in verse 13, David says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to To those who fear him. Here, David is saying that our God is more compassionate than the most compassionate father. Our God is more caring than the most devoted father. Our God provides for us better than the most hardworking and generous earthly father. And so, our God is not distant. Rather, he's our father. He's our father. Now, the reason the psalmist is giving us these illustrations is to aid our memory. Remember what David says in verse 2. We are called to forget not that he forgives our iniquity. We are called to remember this important benefit. And so he's giving us these illustrations to aid our our memory. They're um, Uh, given to us, in some senses, mnemonic devices. We encounter the the natural universe every day. We are all born into families, and so David desires that the natural uh, would remind us of the supernatural. So every time you experience a vast expanse or a starry night sky or the love of a family, David wants you to remember that you have a heavenly Father who forgives all your iniquity. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, the Apostle Paul says that we, we, as Christians, we are called to forgive our neighbor as God in Christ has forgiven us. So when the Apostle Paul thinks about this forgiveness of sins that David is, thinking, is talking about, explaining, illustrating, and defining here in Psalm 103, the Apostle Paul seems to think that there's lots of application one can glean from this important doctrine or, or promise. And so we're going to consider for a few moments how this forgiveness applies to us in a, in a practical way. Now, boys and girls, w- what do you mean when you say, I forgive you? Your sibling wronged you, a friend wronged you, and, and they apologize, and you say, I forgive you. What are you, what are you saying when you say those, those words? What are you promising when you say those words? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.32, that you're promising to act towards them the way God acts towards you. You're promising to forgive them as God in Christ has forgiven you. What it means when we say, I forgive you, what that means is that we are promising to remember that person's sin no more. Just as God has promised to remember our sin no more. Now oftentimes what happens when we're sinned against is we, we have a tendency to remember those sins very well, to meditate upon those sins, to brew upon those sins. Uh, those sins um, play in our minds as a playback loop. And every time we think about those sins that have been committed against us, we get angrier and angrier and more upset and more frustrated. And we hang on to those sins, and we hang on to those sins, uh, and, and, and that leads to either a uh, a passive retaliation or active retaliation. We speak out against that person or we just avoid that person. We give them the cold shoulder. We hang on to those sins so that we can use them against that person when it's convenient for us. Now what happens when we hang on to these sins, when we meditate upon these sins that have been committed against us, is that our love for that person dries up. It's very, very difficult Uh, Indeed, almost impossible to love someone who sinned against you when you are remembering those sins, meditating upon those sins, brewing upon those sins. And so one diagnostic test to see how well we are doing in remembering the Lord's forgiveness of us is to have an assessment of our love for others, especially those who are difficult to love, those who have wronged us. Assess your forgiveness. How well are you doing in putting out of your mind those sins that have been committed against you? The more we remember the Lord's forgiveness, the more our love and forgiveness of others will grow likewise. So we are called to forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. God has not called us to be his vigilantes of justice. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 that we leave justice and vengeance to God and our mission, our goal, is to demonstrate the abounding love and mercy towards others, even our enemies. This is what God has called us to do. Well, again, David says in verse 2 that we are to bless the Lord. Here, right? He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. David wants us to remember the Lord's forgiveness. Remember its definition. Remember its illustrations. Remember how it applies to us and how we are to forgive our neighbor in a way that's similar to how God has forgiven us. Now, this Remembrance is more than an intellectual pursuit it's not less than that, but it 's much more than that so how how can we do a better job of remembering and getting the heart of what David wants us to do when he says, "Forget not all these benefits Well imagine that you uh, imagine that you won the lottery and as you uh, receive this newfound knowledge that you are the recipient of millions of dollars, your response is a shrug. I guess that's kind of cool. Now, if someone witnessed that scene, they probably asked you, Wait, did, did you understand what just happened? That response doesn't seem to accord with the news that you just received. So, congregation, in a very analogous way, we oftentimes respond to the knowledge that our sins are forgiven. With a shrug. That's it. I guess, that, I guess I'll take that. We are over the moon excited when it comes to earthly news, earthly things, which is not bad. It's good to enjoy the things of this earth. But we are stoics when it comes to the Lord ben- Lord's benefits that we receive in Christ. This is in part because we're sinful, but it's also in part because we're weak. We're weak creatures. Our calibration our uh, calibrations are all off. We treasure the things of this earth supremely and the spiritual benefits in Christ are secondary if not tertiary in our lives. So this is sort of what David is, is getting at when he says we are to remember the Lord's benefits. It's not merely an intellectual pursuit. It's a proper calibration of how great these benefits are that are ours in Christ. And so it's helpful, it's wise for us to have fixed points throughout our weeks, throughout our days in which we can intentionally remember the Lord's forgiveness. The supreme benefit, the supreme gift that we have that's infinitely greater than any earthly inheritance or sum of money. In fact, this is part of the reason why God instituted the Sabbath. It's a holiday for us to take a break from common pursuits and to remember, to celebrate The Lord's forgiveness. It's wise to have a time of family devotions where on a daily basis you as a family can intentionally remember the Lord's forgiveness. It's wise to do this individually as David is doing here in this soul as he calls upon his own soul to remember the Lord and his goodness towards him. However, as we undergo these various routines, habits, rituals, we need to remember the goal behind these habits. The goal is not merely to cross off a box, to say I went to church, I read my Bible today, or did my family devotions. The goal is, as Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, that the word of Christ, or if we put in the language of Psalm 103, the benefits of our Lord would dwell in us richly. God desires that we marinate our hearts in this rich and lavish benefit that our sins are forgiven so that it might produce a greater love and charity towards those around us. So, congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, David here calls upon us as the people of God to bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Let us pray.